1: marcus 508-996-0500 is how you can join me this evening thanks so much for tuning in happy friday jr it's thursday and some news happened today uh at eight o'clock we we will be joined by grace ferguson she's a reporter at the new bedford light she has some interesting stories um that i wanted to talk with her about in the eight o'clock hour and uh, one including the um undocumented um, children uh, being particularly susceptible to lead poisoning in New Bedford, which I thought, it, which is a really, I think, pretty fascinating story in a few levels. And um, the home equity theft issue that we've talked about here uh, that was um, initially sort of brought to light by former Ward 3 counsel Hugh Dunn uh, last year, and um, the state delegation's been, you know, starting to sound the alarm on that so, 508-996-0500 is how you can join me this evening. You can also call during that um, segment as well. We'll be taking calls. So, and we'll also take your messages on the WBSM app chat. So, some local stuff happened. Um, I guess it's, it's, fairly lo- it's, it's fairly local, but you guys are familiar with the... I don't know if it came out when... I'm not sure if it came out when uh, when um, any of our programming was on the air, any of our uh, inst- you know uh, local programming was on the air, but um, RCCA Recovery Connection Center the the company that wanted to set up a Methadone clinic on Union Street in New Bedford at the Fall River Pawnbroker site. Their CEO has been indicted again on federal charges. Kate Robinson did a great job writing this up in two separate stories on WBSM.com that you can check out. Um, and uh, so, basically, oh, man, great. My laptop died. Isn't that something? It's okay. So, <laughs> I hate when that happens. Uh, so, basically, um, he's been uh, criminally charged with fraud. The Recovery Connection Centers of America, CEO Michael Bra- uh, Breyer, they had, you know, they had looked for a zoning variance to, from the ZBA to get a methadone clinic in. New Bedford, right on Union Street, right in the heart of the downtown. This was unanimously opposed by pretty much everybody um, except for RCCA. And ultimately, now, there was posturing, right? City Council, they didn't have much they could do in this situation, so they wrote a letter right, Um, saying that they were against it and it was unanimous. And I had, heard from, I had heard from experts in the field that I had talked to to get on background that this actually isn't, it wasn't a good, Union Street wasn't a good site for it to begin with for a couple reasons. One, there hasn't really been demonstrated a need for um, further methadone um, services in the city because they... Uh, apparently there's about 2 3000 or so people who are receiving methadone treatments in New Bedford or in Greater New Bedford let's say and they are currently being serviced there's no shortage of supply the second is it's a bad location being right in the center right on one the one of the busiest streets in the entire city and two being centrally located in like a business district, which, you know, will put a lot of people who are seeking methadone uh, treatment who may not, not necessarily want to be out there in the open. Um, really, literally like right in the heart of New Bedford. So all around was not a great proposal, it seemed. It was the Zoning Board of Appeals who had initially, who had um, who had uh, rejected the proposal for the methadone clinic, and the basis of which is that uh, I believe basically it wasn't accessible enough, um, there wasn't enough parking, uh, the streets were narrow, so um, ambulance accessibility wasn't there, it wasn't a good spot for it, the location wasn't good. So... There was some debate, too, obviously, the, you know, that whole debate between the mayor and the city council, whether or not Fulver pawnbrokers should have gotten a, should have gotten a, um, a, uh, a a business permit to continue working there and, um, you know, whether or not the city council acted too hastily on that. That's been, like, sufficiently, I think... Uh, litigated publicly and I guess ultimately now I don't know if it matters maybe it does um, but uh, they they, you know there was some there, there was that decision by RCCA had been appealed had been appealed so and you know they were going to explore legal options so this was always going to be a fairly delicate issue but it's been busted wide open I think now by this recent revelation that the CEO, who was already, by the way, a convicted felon uh, in, federal, in, in federal court, Michael Pryor, is already convicted. He's a convicted cha- uh, tax cheat. Uh, has been, once again, indicted by the federal government. So uh, the list of crimes that he's been charged with, frankly, are pretty disgusting. And we'll get into them. 508 996 Oh five hundred. That's how you can join me this evening. Let's go to the phones. Good evening. Hey, Marcus. How are you doing? Today? Hey, Tom. What's up?
2: Well, I have a couple of questions regarding this particular issue. One is that this gentleman uh, has his primary residence in Newton. Mm-hmm. Uh, his partner's primary residence is in Warwick. Yeah. Yeah. The people or the entity that is uh, owning the building is registered out of Somerset. So I, I think we would need to find out if the principles of that entity include either one of those partners. Because I'm of the opinion that once this uh, goes uh, to courts and he's convicted, they're going to start grabbing his properties, won't they? Uh,
1: they could if it's... It depends. Um, they could, I think, if it's sub- like substantially related to the crime, which in this case it could be. So... Um,
2: that cou- so th- that, then the question comes, it, l- 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 and this is a big assumption, and I understand that, but just for conversation. But I
1: don't know who owns. I don't know who actually owns those properties or anything like that, if they well, own the properties. It, well,
2: this is the thing. I mean, this is why somebody's going to get out there to, to Somerset where the company is registered, according to the news today, uh, and find out if he's a principal in there, because what would happen— uh, if the feds do confiscate the property, then what happens to the current uh, licensed pawnbroker? Because that was the argument—the residency requirement of the pawnbroker—and mm-hmm. as we tried to shift it to uh, the guy, uh, uh, Mr. Breyer, um, we we were arguing. Uh, you know, as you stated, it's been uh, gone back and forth on the news. With the council, uh, could have held that up uh but uh Ian came on today uh with an email explaining that there was no uh lease agreement or anything uh for the entity to exist in that extra side part of that building yeah but, but if it- he owns it and he's confiscated what happens to the uh, you got palm pokers. You got to leave? You'll find another place? You know, how does that work?
1: Uh, I think it all depends, right? Um, <laughs> you could, could, it
2: all depends. What a lawyer you are. <laughs> well, I, you know, if they
1: sell it to somebody who, you know, it depends on how long they have their lease and if they want to sell it to somebody who wants to kick them out or like, I mean, typically if you, you know, if you, for if you seize a bill, you know, if you, they, they seize it, they're not going to like, they probably want to sell it. Um, anybody that has control of it probably wants to sell it, so i i don't know i don't think they own the building though so um i don't think they own that fall River a pawnbroker building um huh. so i i don't think they do they they just they 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 were gonna i think enter into a lease agreement with the owner of the building i'm pretty sure so, I guess so. Okay. yeah so I, I i think that uh I, I don't think so i think you know also this might mean that the and it, they still, that decision's still pending, and I don't know. I think it might mean that any dealings with RCCA in the city might be, or in, in general, might be a DOA. Right. right. Yeah. Well, thank God for that. Huh? We'll and, see. <laughs>
2: uh, all comes out in the wash. Yep. Yeah. Right.
1: Good. All
2: right, man. Yeah, yeah. Thanks.
1: So uh, so some of the things that he's, um, Breyer's been charged with, Breyer's not a doctor, by the way, but they they bill public and private insurers, so they're doing Medicare and Medicaid fraud, but also frauding private insurers for uh, for forty five minute therapy uh, therapy sessions. But typically, they lasted like and I, this is from the federal government's um, and this is according to the federal government's uh, statement on it. The the Justice Department, U.S. Attorney Zach, uh, Zachary Cuna, who is the uh, U.S. Attorney for Rhode Island. Basically, each state gets at least one U.S. attorney. Some get more than one. Uh, New York has a few, like New York City in and of itself has a few. Um, but Rhode Island has its own U.S. attorney. Uh, ours is in Massachusetts, Rachel Rollins. But Zachary Kuna, who is the federal prosecutor for the state of Rhode Island, uh, the U.S. attorney, um, said that they're billing for 15-minute... They're billing for... Um, they're billing for 45-minute sessions, but in, in according to the federal, um, the press release from the Justice Department, these are counseling sessions for people who are struggling with addiction, and they're billing them at a 45-minute clip. But they're actually 5 to 10 minutes, <laughs> right? So they're giving these people who are suffering from or trying to deal with their chemical addiction in a positive way by seeking counseling services they're giving them five minute sessions and then billing them as 45 minute sessions they said that <laughs> they called um, they, they called the one of the um, indicted parties in this lawsuit the five minute queen because due to yeah, they called Yeah, they called one of the the medical professionals the 5-minute queen due to the length of the therapy therapy sessions. So they were making money hand over fist by exploiting vast swaths of people who are not only struggling from with their addiction but also trying to ad- address their addiction in a positive way through getting counseling services right getting you know seeking addiction treatment services it's a difficult road it's really difficult and it's made more difficult by people like michael breyer and by the way i just want to say even though the ceo is already a convicted federal uh, felon he has been alleged to have committed the these crimes he has been charged I will also say that when the federal government moves on indictments like this, they typically have a pretty good idea of how successful the case is going to be. They have a very high rate of conviction, right? So they don't just arbitrarily slap, uh, bring down federal indictments like this on major, you know, major headline grabbing federal indictments like this unless they're reasonably certain that they can get a conviction not saying they have a hundred percent success there's obviously close cases but a case like this they may have a pretty good idea of how this is going to go so they have been alleged to have exploited people who are seeking recovery um addiction treatment services for financial gain and As of now, it looks like, you know, the the ZBA had rejected that proposal, um, I think, on some more neutrally applied, uh, a more neutrally applied basis, basically. So they didn't want to say, you know, oh, it's because it's addiction treatment. We don't want this in our downtown district. They said, well, because of the accessibility of the lack of accessibility for emergency services and for parking, et cetera that this structurally, you know, in terms of the infrastructure of the surrounding area is not the right place to house or to host a methadone clinic. And I think that's the correct. I think that was probably the correct move. The I got to say, the ZBA looks pretty good. Right. In this, um, they look pretty good in this because of what's happened after. We already knew that the CEO Michael Breyer was a federal, uh, federally convicted tax cheat, but now I think there's you know this whole round of substantially worse crimes that have that have they have been accused of, and I think it really demonstrates this overriding principle that there are certain services that frankly should not be provided for by private entities. And maybe addiction treatment services is one of those services that should not be pro- that should not be provided for by private entities because when you have something that should be a public good like addiction treatment and you add the opportunity for profit The profit will always be master to the service that's provided. Always. I think everybody agrees that there are certain services, and some more than others, but I think everybody fundamentally agrees. Some people want to privatize more stuff than others. There's a certain, you know, I think, pretty non-zero faction that wants to privatize everything, but... I don't think they're really taken all that seriously uh, in um, political discourse, but I think everybody agrees that there are certain things that should be handled by that should be handled as a public service, and certain things that should be should not be, or or can uh, or are better handled better better handled in the private sector. But I'll tell you one of the things that should be a public good that should not be something that you profit from is addiction treatment services. Because I think it's demonstrated pretty clearly here that when you allow for that to happen, the... the Their ability to make a profit will always be master to the service provided. And the CEO, and you're going to say, oh, they were caught. Well, the CEO was already a federally convicted felon, and he was still able to operate a business like this. What did you think could go wrong, right? So I think this is important to, I think this is important to put in, per, in, in perspective, I think just going forward on how addiction services and a lot of other healthcare services should be handled. 508-996-0500 is how you get the program. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. to the South Coast tonight. Yes. Marcus, uh, by the way, um, they did say, in terms of the seizure question, they, they, they're seizing, um, they did seize the company's Providence headquarters um along with Breyer's house in newton and two of his luxury cars his house is worth by the way around two million dollars um what's what was reported so they have seized because you know typically um the civil forfeiture laws frankly (laughs) are probably i mean are definitely a little bit too broad Um, but typically anything like that is tangentially related to the crime you're being charged with can be seized by the government um, in cases like this. So that's what they did. They seized the Providence headquarters, $2 million, uh, his $2 million house. And it's, he had apparently had two luxury cars. Uh, He was accused of issuing Suboxone in another physician's name. And uh, he, the, the company is are, are charged with working and billing Medicare and other insurance providers for more psychotherapy sessions than there are hours in the day. Uh, and he added, they, they said, um, apparently uh, Briar was also um, being charged with trying to obstruct the investigation. So um, in terms of. Uh, RCCA, like where their patients can get continuity of care cuz the these these locations they have a bunch of locations Burlington Dedham Hyannis Natick Plymouth Roslindale Roslindale is a community in Boston actually it's where um Shell Woo lives in Roslindale it's a it's a neighborhood in Boston uh, and Springfield and a bunch of Rhode Island uh, Rhode Island locations in Providence and Pawtucket I, I thought I thought there were more but um, are are affected uh so if you're a Massachusetts patient, I think this is worth noting and this is available on WBSM.com. But if you're listening and you're a Massachusetts patient and you receive and you're receiving uh care from RCEA and you need a, a new bridge prescription, you can call 617-414-4175. Um or and if you need a behavioral health referral, you can call Again, for a prescription, it's 617-414-4175. 617-414-4175. If you need uh, behavioral health referrals, 800-327-5050. Or helplinema.org. That's probably a lot easier to remember. Helplinema.org org um so if you're in the listening audience and you, and you uh and you're a Massachusetts patient if you're an Island patient 401-606-5454 again that's 401-606-5454 uh for prescription for behavioral 410-414 or 401-414 link 414414 link uh, more likely than not, if you're listening, you're a Massachusetts um, Massachusetts residents. So, helplinema.org, dot um, org because all of those locations that RCA operates are going to be um, are going to be affected by that. So. Uh, There's also allegations that Breyer stole identification information from medical professionals to bill healthcare insurers for services he did not fully provide to patients. It also includes billing and in pu- public. Yeah, so we talked about that. The 45 minute uh, sessions that they billed for that were five minutes. Thank God they weren't. Thank God that that in the zoning board really that they did not get approval. Um, to operate in New Bedford could have been a disaster. Think of how many people, I guess they would have been caught beforehand anyway, right? Before they could set anything up. And I imagine any further operations from RCCA will probably be put to a halt. Again, that, that that decision by the zoning board is under appeal. So if the company is continuing, I, I don't know. I don't think so. They did seize the headquarters. So, and they are saying that there's going to be operations that, are you know, you, there's going to be people who are receiving care that need a bridge prescription. But um, for all these accusations, there's something pretty awful, I think, about, you know, Getting people oftentimes in their weakest moment and trying to, and using it, seeing it as an opportunity for profit. You can't convince me that if these allegations are true, if he, the these allegations are turn out to be true, that someone that would bill five minute therapy sessions, uh, bill forty five minutes therapy sessions for five minutes, refer to a clinician as the five minute queen. That would steal patient ident- uh, uh information to um, falsely bill uh, public and private insurers. That would bill bill more um, service. They would bill more time than hours existed in the day. You can't convince me that someone that would do that is actually interested in providing the service of addiction recovery treatment. They, you, they cannot, someone that's doing that cannot be interested in providing that service. The service that is provided is necessarily a front for people like CEOs who are charged with these types of crimes if he's found to be convicted of these crimes. I think it proves that RCCA really, I'm not saying that, Everything that was done, I'm not saying that they didn't help a single person, right? I'm sure some people were helped, but that was more or less a, that was ancillary to the primary mission. If these convictions are upheld, that was ancillary to the primary mission, which would be making as much money as you possibly can. Making as much money as you possibly can. So, it's difficult to justify, I think, in cases like this the profiteering for things like addiction treatment. Medicaid apparently immediately blocked them from billing. So, they are definitely done. Um, This has been described by the U.S. Attorney as brazen. So if it's, if it's described as brazen, I think that's a good indicator of the likelihood of this, at least some of these crimes that they've been charged with being seen through to a conviction. So 508 996 0500 again that was Michael Breyer and me okay Bruning of Warwick the 5 minute queen so it's kind of crazy i mean the people of the south coast could have probably have been in some respects cuz i'm sure there's some people that get it that are that were getting RCC, rcca treatment getting really exploited by this Ponzi scheme of this Ponzi scheme disguised as a healthcare treatment, uh, treatment, uh, addiction treatment. Now, again, I think locally, I think the ZBA looks good, <clears throat> uh, on this. I, You know, they were the ones ultimately with the power to do something about it. Right. And there are actually locations in, I think, Dartmouth, Fall River, Taunton and Brockton for our CCA. Um, So I think ultimately the ZBA looks pretty good on this. The city council does. I mean, the city council opposed the methadone clinic, too. They were all unanimously opposed to it. They didn't have any power to do anything about it. It was the ZBA that did. But they still opposed it. So I think ultimately, like everybody was on the right side of history here. Now, that's not to say there isn't time and space for a methadone clinic. Again, there's probably about two to 3,000 people in New Bedford receiving methadone services, and they're really essential. Um, but that was the wrong place for it anyway, and apparently the wrong company. 508-996-0500. Good evening. Hey, good evening. How you doing?
3: Yeah, good. I'm glad somebody finally got pinched for uh, this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll send, send a ripple, rock a couple of small boats, and they won't do it. But, uh, you know, it, it brings me right into my big segue. Uh, the Ukraine war is nothing more than what you're talking about. This story magnified about a million times, perhaps, because it's all unaccountable, no receipts, and it's worse. People getting killed, maimed, ruined.
1: Yeah, look, um, I don't uh, doubt that there's opportunities for profit in the Ukrainian war for defense contractors and unscrupulous people, but there is still the reality that... The Ukraine, uh, the Ukrainian, the situation in Ukraine and NATO's involvement in it is, um, I think, probably integral to avoiding uh, a World War Three type of scenario based on Putin's based based on Putin's expressed intentions to. I mean, I, I, you know, I had Bill, I had Congressman Bill Keating on who sits on the foreign affairs committee. He laid it, he spelled it out, I think pretty clear. Chris and I talked to him a, a few weeks ago, probably maybe about a month ago now. But, um, he had said that they, Putin had expressed intentions of invading, um, beyond Ukraine and into, um, into the Baltics and into NATO, you know, into the Baltics and NATO allies. Right. Moldova.
3: There's no receipt on what he said.
1: Like yeah, there's. General. Well, well, he said it. So he he had yeah, he expressed saw. intentions of doing that. So if he had, if he as soon as he puts boots on the ground in a NATO country, the U.S. is at war. The U.S. has a treaty with NATO. That treaty is ironclad. So if he puts boots on the ground in a NATO country, the U.S. is at war. So I think there's clear. I think there is clearly a. Moral imperative, and and not to mention the atrocities that the Russians are committing, um, on the Ukrainian people. So I think there's a much clearer moral imperative for continuing the fight in Ukraine, rather than some of the other obviously less justifiable conflicts that we've we've been in over the past 20, 20 to fifty years. Um, I just I just
3: gathered everything you said, and I uh, I think that you're. Uh... You're mixing reality with uh, very good intentions because there's no receipts on anything that's said. It's just a lot of generally accepted blah blah blah. It's
1: because not generally accepted. Exe- I, I
3: mean, about seven weeks ago, offered a uh, a peace table sitting, and um, we told we as taxpayers, Massachusetts, United States of America said, no, there will be no peace talks, and Ukraine said, okay, and told Putin, no peace talks. So, like you said, yeah, we're in it. It's war, and um, and it's funny as hell. It's funny as hell. We're just going to hit that reserve one more time at Federal Reserve, and um, so it's about the money, and that's what, the, what we were talking about um, with this company, you know, you know, the way they're doing people with more hours, they build more hours than there is in a day. If that isn't stupid greedy, I don't know what it is. That's blind greed. Yeah. No, I agree.
1: I so, totally agree.
3: Here we go again. You know, um, you know, you get you, there's plenty of money for that. But direct care, one on one with the elderly, we, we can't do that. But we can let these friends oh, I mean, come in. the
1: same thing with the same thing with nursing homes too. I mean. I mean I remember when Maura Healy was attorney general, she shut down a few nursing homes just in New Bedford because of, uh, of, of the substandard conditions um, that they were subjecting their, um, the, the people that they were servicing. Yeah, no, that that uh, absolutely happens. It happens in frankly every every facet of healthcare. I, I, honestly, yeah, it's it's I difficult to justify profiting home. in healthcare when 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 all of this stuff happens on a regular basis.
3: Uh, do, do you remember the nursing home where the seventy six veterans died?
1: Yeah, in Holyoke,
3: and nobody called anybody, not even an ambulance, a doctor, or another mm-hmm. hospital or nine one one, and yeah. pulling the bodies out in the driveway because it was stinking.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, no, I I I know. It, like I said, it happens a lot. It happens in every facet of, of healthcare. Um, and so it gets, it, like I said, it gets increasingly difficult well, to justify the, the, the profiteering.
3: First of all, it's not healthcare. You just said what it is. It's profiteering. Yeah. So, because the formula they use to rip you off, it doesn't matter who they represent, healthcare, finance industry, or anything. It's a rip off. Yeah. And, and, and the sad truth is, is that, uh, the dead don't suffer because they're dead. Yeah. But they are the
1: victims. And
3: until these families start getting compensation, it's going to continue.
1: I agree. Hey, man, I got to hit this break. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. No.
0: Listen to us live anywhere in the world on the WBSM app.
4: My name is Juanita Segura, and I was diagnosed in November of 2014 with non-small cell lung cancer. The first time I heard about biomarker testing was actually... My husband, he just started researching about lung cancer.
1: And I found out about biomarker testing and I'm like, why not? Let's try it.
4: I'm Dr.
0: Jorge Gomez, thoracic medical oncologist at the Mount Sinai Hospital. Comprehensive biomarker testing is looking for either substances in the blood or mutations in some of the genes of the cancer cells that can help us identify special types of lung cancer that can be treated with what we call targeted therapies.
4: Letting my children know brought all of us a sense of hope to give them hope that mom is gonna be around to see you grow up. And I promised them that.
0: Ask your doctor about how comprehensive biomarker testing before treatment may help you and your doctor decide on the best treatment for you. Visit noonmiss.org for more.
4: A public service message from Longevity Foundation.
1: My dad, he's a double amputee and uh, he's one of my favorite people in the world. To me, a hero is someone who fights for our country and freedom. My dad is a hero. Homes for our Troops built this house, and it's basically made for him. My dad can get through the wide doorways. When he is making our lunch, he can reach anything we need. He'll help me build tiny projects. Life is good here. Without Homes for our Troops, we'd be living in a home that didn't have all these features that helped him.
0: Homes for Our Troops builds and donates specially adapted custom homes nationwide for severely injured post 9-11 veterans and enables them to rebuild their lives.
1: If they get a new house like this one, it'll help them like do normal life. My dad's not just a hero, he's my hero.
0: Join our mission at HFOTUSA.org.
4: Did you know that when you make time to do three simple things each day with your children, talking, reading, and singing. You're helping to shape and strengthen their brains for the years to come. I'd love to look at the pictures in a book and notice little details about the characters. I pause along the way to ask my child to wonder about how they might feel. When you ask open-ended questions like, what do you notice, or what do you think will happen next? You're inviting them to be curious. All these rich conversations help develop both their vocabularies and their thinking skills. And it's a great way for you and your child to bond and discover the world together as a father helping my child is the most important thing to me each of us has the power to create a strong start for our children by talking reading and singing with them from the moment they're born and help them to enter school ready to learn and succeed in life visit talkingisteaching.org for free tips resources and ideas on how to transform everyday moments into magical moments for learning
0: you don't have to stick by your radio to hear all of South Coast tonight. Stream Chris and Marcus on the WBSMF or download their podcast. South Coast Tonight
1: continues No. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm Marcus, 508-996-0500 I'm sitting in the program. I got an app chat um, from Willing City resident asking, uh, "Will they be? Uh, will they be operating? Will they be? Okay, I get it. You're asking if they're going to continue doing their business. No, apparently not. Um, Medicaid has blocked uh, their billing. Their uh, central headquarters has been seized by uh, the federal government, um, along with, I guess, CEO Michael Breyer's house and nice cars. So it doesn't look like RCCA is going to uh, be continuing their operations, which bodes well for the New Bedford in their... um, in their fight to keep RCCA out of, uh, out of downtown. Now, like i said before, methadone, uh, methadone, um, services are essential, especially in a city like New Bedford. There's probably about two to 3000 people in the city that do receive that treatment, but they're receiving the treatment. It's not something that they necessarily needed to add in the middle of a business district, which probably wasn't good for the clientele as well. Um, but now that doesn't really matter because, their ceo who was definitely was already a convicted uh felon maybe um a convicted felon a few more times over but uh, i'm gonna take a quick break we'll be right back here's what's happening this
3: week on town